Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to the Football Grad Podcast. I'm your host Manu Vef, and yeah, it's 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 a lonely room here. Um, it's 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 you know just just me and that guy from Siberia. Um, Andrew, I forgot my cell phone again. What what's the temperature there? I have to ask it straight up. You know, it, it's, it's become a running gag, but I need to know. I, these are things that keep me up at night. Well, to be honest with you, we, we have a slightly different system of measuring temperature here. We don't really bother with the numbers because it's all cold. Um, so it's just what um, what you do differently. That's how we measure it. So today it is actually fairly toasty. Um, and it is jacket as opposed to thick overcoat weather. So, you know, well, watch out, Canada. We're, we're catching up with the tropical warmth that you guys enjoy. I actually just looked it up. It's one degrees. That's what we got. Well, yep. It's the same. Oh, I actually was joking. I didn't realize we really had caught up the, the, um, the Canadian Riviera, but yeah, it's, um, the snow is melting. We're getting, it's the stage of year, Manu, where we have the delightful Russian phenomenon of Kasha all over the road, where the snow after six months of gathering up dirt and Various other unmentionable starts to melt in a fairly disgusting soup of brown nothingness. See, this is why I moved After to the a place that we are starting to see on the road. This is why I moved to a place without snow. Well, technically without <laughs> snow. This year was a little bit different, but um... well, I know poor, poor, poor didn't. I mean, you actually had to wipe a little bit of snow off your off your window, perhaps. Um, I mean, I don't know how you survived, man. It was it was a difficult time. Um... <laughs> I, 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 you don't you understand. Through, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you don't understand. It was, it was quite difficult. Um, yeah, um, I went for I went for a bike tour yesterday, and there was still snow and patches on the ground everywhere. It's like this is not right. It's mud. <laughs> it's not supposed to be happening. Um, <laughs> anyway you you survived money that's the main thing you did survive i did well survive done. um and it is kind of pathetic i i admit um uh, considering that i'm from a place <laughs> that gets plenty of snow and um uh, it is kind of pathetic and i do actually like skiing and so um i just like to have the snow in places where i can ski on and anywhere else really can't really be bothered but um, that's a completely different topic, uh, one that we like to touch on every week because it's just so much fun. Um, it's going to be hard when it's summertime because I don't know what we're going to discuss. Anyways, <laughs> unfortunately, Andrew, uh, no, Tim, he is sick. He really tried to come on the show. Um, we had to uh, basically lock him inside his bedroom and uh, ensure that he actually gets some good rest. So, yeah, Tim, um, if you're listening in. Get better. Um, we need you back next week because Andrew, this is episode ninety nine. Can you believe that? Ninety nine already is it's kind of mind blowing, really. But um, yeah, God, we've really been going that long. Yeah, it's been more than yeah. two years. It's <laughs> remarkable stuff. It's been some really good shows in there too, like the World Cup ones. You know, the the, the live yeah. shows from from Russia um, on the Moskva and the the show that we did at the Confed Cup, um, I, I, yeah, kind of, kind of insane that we've gotten to episode ninety nine already. Um, so 
yeah, next week we have to think of something special. Um, definitely get Tim back. But yeah, that's, that's, Let's wait, wait till next week to celebrate. So we actually got Tim in there. I'll get a bottle of champagne. We'll open that up. Um, get the popping sound on the, on the podcast. Uh, that will be a special touch. Um, but, um, before we do that, we have some news item to go over before we get to the uh, Russian Premier League results. Because yes, that league is back, finally back. Um, I know you've been busy driving on, uh, snow covered roads. So we'll get to chat about that as well. Uh, but I want to cover some news items first. So, Andrew, um, this seems to be a theme that's been happening uh, quite a bit on this podcast. Sinead St. Petersburg, they, of course, they had to replace their president because their um, president is now the president of the Russian Football Union. Uh, Dukov, we discussed this last week. So Sinead's um, new president is Alexander Medvedev, who's come over from the KHL, which is, of course, a league run by, owned by Gazprom. Um, so Gazprom, check. Sports check. <laughs> and on top of that, um, he is, <laughs> I have to, I have to use the sentence that uh, was quoted to me on Wikipedia. He has been in charge of Gazprom's opaque, uh, business associations, um, whatever that means. But uh, yeah. <laughs> Gazprom opaque. Right. Yes. Well, uh, I'll, I'll take your word for that Wikipedia. <laughs> Yeah. Um, it's an interesting one, though, isn't it, Manny? I mean, you know, we, we were talking last week about Dukov moving into his role at the RFU with seemingly, on the surface, no experience directly relating to sports. At least Medvedev, like you mentioned, has the hockey governance. And to be fair, he, he's he been a, an inventive um, chairman of the KHL. Um, we were saying off-air, weren't we, about the... The expansion teams that they've tried to bring into the fold. Um, there's a Chinese team, um, which is full of genuine Chinese players, of course. Um, certainly none with any Canadian heritage. And, uh, he's encouraged that. He's encouraged, he tried to get an Italian team, an English team, even a German team, a Czech team. Some have come in, some have not. But I, to be honest with you, just on the surface, if somebody is looking outwardly in that sense i think it's a positive step um for for zanit but zanit have never had a trouble with um international connections shall we say um well at least one of their players has recently but um <laughs> we'll brush over mr rakitsky's uh lack of international core i guess yeah. um but it's an interesting move and i think it shows at least some link to sport which is which is a good start um but uh we'll see how he goes yeah so um khl you know, of course, the, the continental hockey league that was supposed to spread all all over Europe, um, hence the name continental. Um, they do have a team in Belarus, Finland, Kazakhstan, Latvia, and Slovakia. So, and in not so European, China. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, parents, watch out for your kids in Vancouver. Um, if they have any Chinese heritage, they might be drafted <laughs> into the side. Anyways. Yeah, so this this is this is Medvedev. I I you know I do think that the KHL is a league that he basically Gazprom and financed the entire thing, and it was interesting when it came in because it came in around the time when they Gazprom also tried to finance a post-Soviet football league, right? A project that failed for various reasons, including the fact that Russia um, invaded Ukraine, so that didn't help the whole project. But that was around that time that you know. KHL was invented and then um of course Medvedev the the big driving force um behind this and you can you can know you can argue a bunch of things that um some of the projects failed but the league has been has been striving since it's been going now for 11 years so um if he has if he manages to get that kind of business argument into Sunit um I think that Sunita almost too big to fail right Andrew that is that is one thing that you can't you can't really yeah. do too much wrong um because like you basically go from one Gazprom run organization to another Gazprom run organization and I think these things go hand in hand um this this is just the way Russia works and I think Tim Tim pointed this out quite very very well last week when we discussed this whole interconnection between Gazprom St Petersburg the the, the roads of power in Russia, I think that all goes hand in hand. 
Um, so yeah, that's the fallout from this. Um, I'm curious to see where it's going to go. Uh, we also have another piece of fallout to discuss, Andrew. Um, this all put a smile on everyone's face. The Spartak Moscow hack. It was a big news item last week. I admit, um, I thought it was quite funny, but, um, our buddy Trachtenberg, he's gone. Gone. Old father time. Old father time himself can't escape. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be strange, isn't it? Seeing, uh, press conferences without his slightly hunched over figure and his, his sort of wizened grin behind his little steel wind glasses. Um, I, I feel a little bit sad almost in a way, um, that it's happened so abruptly and with an element of, uh, controversy about it. I mean, he, he's a man completely out of step with modern time. And I think that was make, that's what makes him endearing. And unfortunately, that seems to be at least partly, if not entirely, um, the cause of his, of his demise. But, um, when you've had somebody who's been a, a figure at the club, a central figure at the club for a fair bit of time, it's quite hard to adjust to life without them, really. Um, but the, the hack itself, the way it all happened and it, they tried to be covered up and the way that Tim, of course, of course, if he was here, he would be, he'd be doing this part, um, in more detail than I would, but the way that he sort of, he lent on old alliances to try and cover up his mistake just kind of showed why he, in the nicest possible way, shouldn't really be in that sort of position in the modern world anyway. Um, he still lives in a world where old alliances can save you in any, in any sense. Um, but he, he's, he's gone officially, um, or on recent news, uh, Manu, is he actually gone? Or is he? That's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I get the feeling he's not going to go somehow. <laughs> no one ever leaves, really leaves in Russia. You know, it's like, uh, Lenin's ghost is still on Red Square in form of like, uh, whatever is left over. Um, no one ever leaves Russia really. Uh, so I guess this is the same for Mr. Drachtenberg, Gospodin Drachtenberg. Um, yeah, he's been offered a consultant's job at Spartak. Um, I, I can't, yeah. This is like probably one of those like wonderful retirement packages. Um, I, yeah, yeah I, 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 we're talking about this. Cynical about Russian football, man. Uh, this is this is just me <laughs> talking about. Um, yeah, um, but you know what? What what's really what's really got stuck in my head is um, I think this this was Tim. He retweeted on his Twitter feed. He retweeted this video of Trachtenberg dancing at the Spartak Moscow title title celebrations a couple of years ago. <laughs> Yes, yes. Oh, um, yeah, that, yeah. Um, let's just say, um, he better not give up his day job, which he no longer has. <laughs> I don't think this has been the last that we've seen of Gospodin Drachtenberg. Um, I don't think, I don't think it works that way. So, um, no, I, 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 I agree. Um, I, yeah, it's, uh, the, the thing, the thing is, is even, even if he doesn't add any, um, any value to the, the media side of things, uh, I think even he surely even recognizes, well, look, I've enjoyed what, let's be honest, has been a, a relatively cushy job at the, um, I'm not saying he hasn't worked, but he's been, he's settled into it. He's almost accepted that, that it's almost like an election where I'm certain that every year, when, whenever view, jobs are reviewed at Spartak Moscow, I'm, I'm certain that there's been one candidate every time and he just has accepted a relatively safe role. Um, but he'll be around. He'll be there to make comments. Um, there's no advice he can really, I don't think, give to the club other than his connections with the, the older players that still respect him. Um, but just to have, see his face around, that in itself might just be something some Spartak fans will still appreciate. So press, press consultant, see. social media press consultant. That's what they're going to hire him for. Um, that's, that's my, <laughs> my thought. It could be, would be a nice new contract. Uh, speaking of new contracts, um, 
Ivan Ignatiev. Hey, done. Yeah, I know. It's uh, I've been practicing. Um, <laughs> Ivan Ignatiev. He is on hmm. two hundred thousand rubles a month. That's about two thousand three hundred pounds. Um, two thousand five hundred US dollars. About two thousand five hundred euros. Two thousand uh, six hundred. Two thousand seven hundred Canadian dollars. In case you're wondering. Anyways, that's what he's on at the moment. Um, he's one of the biggest talents in Russian football, Andrew, and Krasnodar would of course like to extend his contract, renew his contract, increase his contract, um, by, by paying him two to three times more. Um, he has said yet for now. What's going on there? Mm, I've got to be honest. This one's, uh, this one's a bit of a confusing one, really. Um, I mean, if you, if you think about those numbers that you've just mentioned, the, First, to start off with, it is a very low salary, even in the context of Russian football. Um, you know, I think some people who are casual observers of Russian football will still associate, uh, the likes of, you know, Hulk and Axel Witzel and Leandro Paredes and Claudio Marchisio being on sort of, you know, what they would consider relatively regular European contracts of millions of dollars a year. Um, and this guy, yeah, this this sort of money is what you would make as a top player at the, in the second tier of Russian football. And believe you me, there is next to no money at all in the Feniel. So I certainly understand him wanting a better contract. That's logical. But Krasnodar are willing to give him a better contract. Um, I mean, it would be brain dead of them not to, given that he is effectively the culmination of their entire existence so far. Um, he and Shapi Suleimanov and Daniel Udkin and uh, the other youngsters coming through, uh, Matvey Safonov in goal, you know, these guys, they are the culmination of everything that the entire club has existed for. And he knows that. He is valued, not just because he is Russian, but because he's, well, shortly, because he's good. He's come through the system. He knows the club. The club knows him. He's trusted. He's going to be the main guy. Um, I reckon he will be the undisputed first choice striker from next season. Cause I think Ari is not going to be going a huge amount longer. He'll probably stay another season or two possibly. So why would he refuse the contract? Well, the only thing I can think of is that he's being advised by an agent. There'll be noises whispered in his ear. Look, you're, um, you're uh, the hot young thing in Eastern European football. Um, People were starting to get to know you because of Krasadar in Europe and the UEFA Youth League last season where he top scored. Um, this is a chance to get out of Russia quick, make a lot of money. Um, I hope that's not the case, but it's the only real explanation I can think as to why he would turn down the contract. I, I just don't get it. Um, so it, it'll be very interesting to see what happens over the next week or two, how much game time he gets. Because he was, uh, he didn't travel to Moscow for the Spartak Moscow game. Uh, he played for the Krasnodar Duble team, which is generally seen as a, a bit of a relegation, really. I mean, obviously, it literally is, but it's uh, almost like a, not quite a graveyard, but a bit of a punishment for senior players. Um, and he is a senior player now. That's the thing. Um, so we'll have to, we'll have to see if he's, uh, if, uh, Murad Masayev gives him a bit of, bit of faith or not. But um, it's it's a slightly odd one, I have to say. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, if you watched him play against um, Bayer Leverkusen, for example, where he was good, um, you you kind of wonder where like, what's going on. Um, I mean, we, we're nearing that time of the year, you know, where players get to get transfers again, right, Andrew? It's March, April, May. It's when May is usually the time when the first big transfers start to happen. So you never know agents, agents whispering in his ear. Um, that is maybe, that's one suspicion I have, um, at this point because the young players, um, he's a striker. There's not many talented young strikers out there. It's always a hot prospect, right? Um, don't want to start any rumors because I don't know what's going on. Um, but this is the kind of thing where you think, okay, well, maybe, um, a club is is coming in for him, right, and trying to get him. Uh, yeah. So I think we'll have to keep an eye on that story. Um, and story that we have kept an eye on, and um, yeah, <laughs> we were both oh. laughing because this game looks like it's taking place in Kimki. Um, oh dear, 
Yeah. That why? Why do they give Himke Stadium oxygen? I mean, you know, for that alone, <laughs> for that alone, they should have worked day and night to get <laughs> to Dinamo's new stadium. The VTB Arena should have been ready. Uh, Manu, look, let's. I tell you what. Let's let's place a bet. When do you actually think the first proper match is going to take place in the Dinamo Stadium? I mean, g- give me give me a month. When do you think it's going to happen? This season? Next season? Next decade? <laughs> I've kind of lost the words here. I I really don't know. <laughs> I mean, the stadium was supposed to be. I I did an article on this on footballgrad.com. The stadium, the construction on the stadium started in two thousand eight. I mean, God, is it really? Not? I mean, I I know it was meant to be ready. 2013 was it the original delivery yeah. date that they had? Yeah. Tw- 2008. It's oh, 2019 blimey. now. I mean, that's only six years <laughs> later. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, Manu? Look, just to give this a little bit of context to any of our English listeners or English following listeners, um, at the moment, I don't know how much you followed of it, Manu, but um, Tottenham Hotspur, who yeah. Um, yeah. beat some tin pot team from a tin pot league last yeah. night. Um, they, uh, <laughs> we covered that game. They, <laughs> Spurs, right. Spurs have a reputation for being, but there's an adjective now, Spursy, for basically being pretty good, but falling, falling short at the, at the last hurdle. And their new stadium is, uh, in, in England, it's seen as a huge scandal how their stadium has been delayed by what is only a few months and it is almost ready um it's due to be delivered i think at some point at the end of the season um that will be at most a season late and it is seen as a laughing joke within england so like, well just just have a look over in russia just see just see that's what a real delay is that's yeah. what a real well let's, I mean, let's I, put this in perspective <laughs> yeah i mean it was the same with the Krestovsky, to be honest though andrew i mean yeah. that was yeah, yeah. And I, although the Krestovsky is no longer uh, the world's most expensive um, football stadium, um, Tottenham made sure of that. <laughs> because, I actually, I actually didn't know that that Spurs Stadium was the most expensive one. I knew it was. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, there's some some touches of it are utterly ridiculous. Again, I man, I'm not sure if you've seen this, but one thing they've done. They've got they've gone really really heavy on the hospitality VIP packages, and one perk is a the, the players' tunnel is going to have one way glass, so VIPs will be able to watch the players walking in the tunnel, uh, but the players won't be able to see them, as if it's some kind of aquarium or something. I mean, it is just so utterly bizarre the lengths they've gone to along these firms. So maybe it makes sense that it's the most expensive stadium, football stadium. Uh, anyway, but yeah, yeah so but it was we, it was supposed to cost eight hundred and fifty million pounds the stadium, but um, because it's getting delayed, in, in I know quite a bit about this because remember I did an um, an article for an American magazine on the Krestovsky and one of the biggest costs with stadiums. I don't even want to know the staggering costs of this Dynamo Stadium project. It must be enormous at this point because. Um, Delay charges. So every day that you build, Andrew, right, costs mm. more money because if you're delayed, you still have to pay all the workers. You have to pay, yeah. bill all the all the supplying companies. They all get they all get to bill you, right? Then there's delayed charges, which are in construction are enormous, right? So yeah. the moment you are, the the reason why the Kostovsky was as expensive as it was was not because it was this shiny brand new stadium, it's because it was delayed by two years. So the the same is true with the with the stadium that Tottenham are building. The more it becomes delayed, the more expensive it becomes, right? Because the stadium that was the most expensive before the Kostovsky was Wembley, which was another stadium that was hugely delayed. And um the reason why Wembley was as expensive as it was was because delay costs. Um, they, they are the ones that really hit stadium projects. If you are late in a stadium project, you will get hit yeah. massively by, um, delay charges. And companies, they can be very tricky. Um, construction companies can go and say, look, uh, if you know you have a deadline, 
And in sport, deadlines are always very hard deadlines, right? Because uh, oftentimes there's a season to be played and they're like, well, we can get this done in a week, but uh, it will cost you two times what it normally costs. So this is why delays in sports, um, yeah, they are always, they're always something that will hit you hard. So I, I, I assume that this is officially the cost of this new Tottenham stadium, um, with his, Cancelled cheese bar. This is the real the thing that makes me really upset <laughs> that they cancelled the cheese bar. Um, not going to check out the hospitality area ever. You know, I was promised cheese. Um, I wonder what they <laughs> what what they're going to have. Are you think they're going to have a buffet at the Dynamo Stadium? We have to send you there. We have to send you Andrew. We have to send you to a game there and find out. Well, I tell you what. Look for all of the for all of the vitriolic, horrific abuse that I receive and the football brand WhatsApp chat about food in press boxes that uh, anybody who listens to this will know I whinge incessantly about it. But if you're in my position, you would whinge as much too. i tell you what I will be willing to accept as a peace offering. If you make sure that I can get to Dynamo Stadium for whenever the official opening game is, because then I am absolutely certain they will lay on the most lavish spread possible for the opening game. But then... Once it's just the likes of Arsenal Tula and Akramat Grozny and, and Yenisei Krasnoyarsk trundling along to the stadium, and there's not so many celebrities or so much attention there, I'm sure they will revert back to time. Or at least I hope they will, because that will make me feel better about having... Well, actually, I was about to say stale biscuits in your caption book, but they're not stale anymore. They're actually quite good. Upgrade. Um, they're upgraded, yeah. They actually have chocolate cream on them now, so oh, um, wow. I'm, I'm living my life. I, oh, I know, I know. That's better what um, Stuttgart has, so um, Ural is <laughs> on lower Bundesliga-Niveau now. I'll, I'll take that as a victory. Yeah. Um, one, one final thing on this, those upgrades. So the, I just looked up the costs of the Dynamo Stadium. Um, it says built November 2018, so that's wrong. Um, it's not finished yet. But um, what do you think? How, what do you think this entire thing cost, Andrew? Well, it, when we're saying the cost, everybody's got to remember when we're talking about this Dynamo Stadium, we're we're not just talking about one arena. This is a stadium that encloses a football and a hockey stadium, yeah. and is within one of the one of the well, what will be the biggest, most lavish business parks in Moscow as well. So. It's an enormous project. The stadium itself, oh God, I'm going to have a stab in the dark and say somewhere near a billion dollars. Now more than ever, it's important to keep your family's garments free from bacteria. Fortunately, the Turbo Extreme Steam handheld steamer kills 99.9% of bacteria on face masks, shoes, coats, and any other garments they may wear when they venture outside the home. It's the most powerful handheld steamer with the turbo setting that quickly smooths away even the toughest of wrinkles. Works great on all kinds of clothes, delicates, shirts, you name it. Heats up fast and gives clothes that professionally press look in minutes. Try it and find out for yourself. Go to conair.com and search Turbo Extreme Steam. Yeah, $1.5 billion is the final bill. <laughs> Blimey. That's more oh, than Mike Kristofsky. And that's the, official, be- that's the official number, so you might return at one, <laughs> two, or two. Yes. The realistic number is going to be a little bit different, I think. I mean, look, man, all of these delays that we're talking about, it's almost become embedded in our conscience about Russian football. It's not really much of a surprise anymore. But the one thing I will say is that I'm yet to go inside the stadium itself. The pictures I've seen, it does look absolutely ridiculously good. And the, the setting, the whole project of the VTB Park with the, the business park and the memorials and the statues that are going up, it is it is going to be an absolutely incredible venue and a real genuine asset to, um, well, to Moscow even, you could argue. And, you know, I, I look around at a lot of modern stadiums today and they blend into each other. There's basically no character whatsoever. Yeah. But you look at a lot of Russian stadiums and expensive as they are, corrupt as the corruption uh, as the construction often is um all the delays okay i'm not i'm not going to excuse them at all but the end product has character um you know the the is just it is like a spaceship it is otherworldly the setting by the bay of finland is just it, it's just absolutely incredible um 
Uh, but it feels different. It feels like its own place. The closed roof is a big part of it. Yeah. And Dynamo Stadium will have a closed roof too, or at least a retractable roof. That's going to add something to the character of it. So expensive as it is, the end product is at least something to be genuinely proud of. Um, whether they'll fill it is a different matter, but at least the, the construction is going to produce something spectacular. Yeah, yeah, it better because, um, you know, for $1.5 billion plus the, the handoffs plus the write-offs plus the, I, you know, you know, you know what I mean? Um, it's, it's, it's going to be expensive. <laughs> um, yeah, but so, thankfully for our listeners who cannot travel to Russia to see the stadium whenever it is finished, um, they will be able to watch it on YouTube because the Russian, Russian Premier League is now, um, being streamed live on YouTube. That is if the stream is working, because Andrew, that was something that did not quite work, um, as well. That said, I don't think that is before we start making fun of Russia and delays. Uh, I think you can't expect it to work right away. Um, I mean, this is, I'm, I'm looking at other internet streaming services out there and, um, quite a few of them are not without problems. Absolutely. I mean, it's, I, I don't think anybody really is going to criticize them straight away simply because, I mean, it was only announced what a day or two before the spring season restarted last week. And it, I mean, that fairly obviously suggests that it, it was, it wasn't an idea that was uh, set in stone for some time because if it had been, they would have advertised it. They would have really pushed it. But the fact is they're making that effort to actually make the Russian league more accessible. Because I would argue it is, of all the, you know, the relatively bigger European leagues, let's say even top 10 European leagues, I would say probably least is known about the Russian league, partly because yeah. of the language, partly because of the geography, how far away it is, how how few players change between the Russian league and other major European leagues. And this is a major step towards it. Um, and we touched on it last week, but the access to football over here Online streaming and online content is actually, I would argue, slightly more embedded in the culture than it is certainly in England, for example. Mm. Um, there's a service at the moment. Well, I, I'm not entirely sure if it is still in existence or not, but 11 Sports had the broadcast rights to Syria and La Liga at the beginning of the season. However, they announced a week or two ago that they no longer can afford or will continue that license. And it's just been a mad scramble to, to get, um, to get the rights sorted out with a broadcaster. And that was the first online attempt in England. It just didn't work. The business model wasn't there. Um, the difference is, of course, that the broadcast rights for Russian football are minimal to very, very cheap, at least. Um, so there will be far fewer issues. There's no competition for broadcast either. All of the matches, uh, domestically are broadcast by one, um, one company, uh, NTV. They run match football, um, and their respective channels. So it's not going to be as messy as the, the, the open market, if you like, of many European leagues. So this is a great step in the right direction. No more illegal streaming necessary um, abroad. Uh, not that we um, ever did that anyways. <laughs> no, I mean, I've never heard of it. I mean, uh, no, you, uh, you've never done that before, no. right? I, I don't know. Well, <laughs> I love the decisive, yes, I absolutely haven't. <laughs> no, no idea. Um, not We don't endorse that <laughs> at all. Um, absolutely not. Definitely not. We respect the uh, legal streaming packages and uh, broadcast rights that uh, are at our disposal. Um, right. Okay. But yeah, um, these games on YouTube. Uh, so I, I personally think it's a great idea um, for all the reasons that you mentioned. And I think, um, I think, you know, despite some of the issues, I think one game was delayed 30 minutes. Another one was delayed one hour. Uh, I mean, the first match day, I think they came in very late with this decision. So that is maybe very typical Russian. Um, let's do this last minute yeah. and see what happens. But I think, I think it makes sense because at this point, they just want the, the league to be 
broadcasted and you know UEFA coefficient standings just come out um Russia the Russian Premier League is sixth um just behind France so it is a, it is a good competition it's one of the few competitions in Europe where you actually generally don't know who's going to end up winning the title at the end of the year that's mm. that, that is that is I, I mean that's a huge pull because um I can think of a few leagues in Europe where um it's almost a given now um you turn on the the the, the beginning of the year and you know was going to win it um, and the Russian Premier League is um, thankfully one of the competitions where you don't have that yet so um, tune in because the results are interesting and um, speaking of interesting results Andrew let's talk about the results of this weekend I, I know we we chatted about the news items first but let's get let's get into the thick of things um, we got we got actual results to talk about Results, Ugh. games, games Ugly. of football. Um, balls were kicked, matches were played, and uh, let's let's mm. just let me just rattle those through real quick before we 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 get into the details. Um, let's start with Orenburg, one nil defeat against Anshi. Yes, you heard this right. Anshi Mahachkala, the team from Dakistan, won a game. Um, yeah, we'll we'll chat about that maybe or maybe not. Um, one game that we are going to chat about is Ural against Zenit. Zenit 1-0 against Ural. So, sorry to hear that, Andrew. That, that's not, that's not great. Not great for me either. Um, yeah, but that's, that's just how it is. Arsenal against Arsenal Tula. 2-0 against Ceska Moscow. That's definitely a surprise. Loco 2-2 against Krile Sovetov. I would note, note that down as a surprise as well. Ruben Kazan 1-0 against Ahmad. Ufa lost 1-2 against Dinamo Moscow. Um, yeah, Dinamo, positive news right there. Yenisei Rostov, a game that was moved. We'll have to chat about that. 1-1. Spartak put a major dent into my, t- I mean, Krasnodar's title hopes. Um, 1-1. Two points dropped for Krasnodar. Two points gained for Zenit. And Zenit is the team that we're going to talk about first because yeah, you were there, Andrew. You drove through the snow drifts, you threw the Siberian plains, um, four hour drive on Russian roads. Um, imagine like, that's basically how it goes on Russian roads. I've been there. I've done it. Um, it's great fun. How was the drive? I, I, obviously you're on the podcast, so that's good news. Unless I'm chatting to your ghost, you're st- obviously still around. Um, but how, how was it? <laughs> um, well, you know, it's 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 an interesting one, really. They have that famous saying: um, there are two major problems in Russia: idiots and roads, and one caused the other. Um, and it's anybody's guess as to which way around that is. But um, the road between Tumen and Yekaterinburg, where where I go for my home games to watch Oral, they've been doing significant roadworks for the last five years, and. The, what you've got to bear in mind, when you say a motorway in England, you think of a three or four lane road, um, you know, 70 mile an hour speed limit. Um, what we're talking about here is for the vast majority of the distance, a one lane country road, sometimes without any road markings. Um, and that is a fairly hair raising experience, to say the least. But uh, this time there was the roadworks were particularly bad and I had to drive back in the in the pitch black. And it was I mean, like, I've been doing this for quite a few years now and i'm fairly seasoned on russian roads and i was um yeah i was fairly terrified for my life if i'm honest um but i got back i'm alive uh most importantly i got to see the almighty oralia kattenberg who were absolutely robbed by zanit um, i agree i agree 100 <laughs> percent. no in, 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 in all seriousness though um the i mean the game itself zanit have made uh, they've sold Leandro Paredes, who a lot of people will have noticed has turned up at PSG, and they've brought in in his place Wilmar Barrios, who was he was industrious. He wasn't uh, he wasn't earth shatteringly brilliant, but he dropped in between the two centre backs a lot. He showed a lot of awareness, and he won a lot of tackles. Um, and Yaroslav Rakitsky at the back, he was he was excellent. He put long balls over the midfield a lot and he he got to play moving fairly quickly but most of all was Serdar Asmund the Iranian sensation his partnership with Juba Manu is looking already very very dangerous and I hate to say it with your prediction in mind but 
um, they are looking suddenly revitalized again. Um, they were impressive. They weren't. They didn't blow it all out of the water, but they were professional. Their system worked, um, and Asmun and Juba together look fairly, fairly dangerous. Yeah, Asmun is a great player. I mean, we we know this, and I I, I got a few responses when I when I mentioned that Asmun now plays and Zenit on Twitter, and they were like, "What? He plays at Zenit now? I think there's a, quite a lot of clubs that in Western Europe that hope to land him." Um, and you know him playing at Zenit with 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 Zuba, um, I think that's going to be a very dangerous partnership. And um, yeah, I think overall, um, you know, Tim said with with Rakitsky, Asmun, and uh, Wilma Barrios, Zenit may have bought the title. He, he might very well be right um, because with those three additions, uh, you they really strengthen uh, strengthen the squad in the right areas. Um, interesting one, Jaroslav Rakitsky was not called up to Ukraine's national team. Um, the argument is that he's just recently moved clubs, so they want to give him time to settle in. But um, the question mark is, of course, will he ever be called up again to Ukraine's national team with you know the fallout that we experienced in Ukraine over his move? The fact that Jaroslav Rakitsky has been scrutinized for many many years now for not singing the ukrainian national anthem um funnily enough vadim says that's because he's never learned it but has nothing to do with <laughs> any kind of patriotism um so yeah uh, i don't know i think we've said enough about that let's let's let that rest um i want to talk about a result that really did surprise me andrew and that was arsenal tula defeating csk moscow Two mm. nil. Um, that's the yeah. that's basically Tsk Moscow's title challenge done at the first hurdle, in my opinion. Anyways, seven points now. It's a bit too much, isn't it? Yeah, you, you'd have to say so. It's it's a sh it's a real shame because I expected them to. I actually didn't expect them to win. I thought it was going to be a fairly competitive uh, level game. Um, but you, uh, don't forget as well, this was in Grozny, uh, another game that was moved. Yeah. Um, and Arsenal Tula at home in Tula are absolutely electric. Um, they're a really entertaining side. They've got a lot of seriously aggressive runners with the ball. Um, they've got a, a few people who like to take a long shot. And they were, they're the top goal scorers at home this season. Um, and when you're talking about clubs like Spartak, Tiska, um, Krasadars, and he, you know, these guys, they, they've got some, some of the best attacking players in in the league and your Arsenal's team and their system, the way they interchange their attacking three or four players is, is just fascinating to watch. Um, yeah. And had, had Tesco won, um, and kept within four points of Zanid, you never know. It could yeah. have been, it could have been an interesting type, a three-way title race. Um, Although, as it stands, you'd have to say that was about the perfect weekend for Zanid. In fact, just looking at the table, um, only uh, only Rubin, with a 94th-minute winner, when three minutes of added time had been given, were the only other top-half side to actually win in the first weekend. So for Zanid, it was uh, an absolute dream weekend. Ceska, yeah, it's a disappointing one now. I really had high hopes for them getting into the title race mix. Um, now... They've got uh, they've got to look over their shoulders at Champions League qualification suddenly just like that. It's a, it's like like you mentioned about the unpredictability of the Russian league money. It's not just the title race or who's going to win it each year, but um, who's going to qualify for Europe and which European competition who's going to miss out. It's all so so close now. Um, but uh, I still think Tesco will make at least the top three, um, but they're going to have to earn it. Mm. Yeah, imagine Ruben Kazan finishing in the top three and then can't play because they're not they can't qualify for Europe. Um, wow, that would that would be brutal yeah. at this stage because it's a real possibility because they're only two points behind CSKA at this stage, despite losing. But yeah, they lost so many key players. I I can't see uh, Ruben finishing in that in that top three. But yeah, for CSKA, they do have to look over their shoulders because Bartak and Lokomotiv are only one point behind them, right? Um, despite both of them only getting a point on this match day, they actually managed to close the gap to just one point. I mean, in some ways, CSKA were almost lucky that uh, Nida Loko 
was Bartek managed to win because that would have been enough to lose that third spot and then the table would look very different. Um, so yeah, interesting one. I'm curious to see how CSKA are going to recover. They're going to play Ruben Kazan next. Um, uh, that's, that's a game that Ruben Kazan could jump on to the virtual Champions League spots. Again, they can't qualify for Europe this year. Um, so really, really will be an interesting one to watch. Um, that game will take place in Moscow on Saturday. Um, a game that did not take place <laughs> where it was supposed to. That Yenisei game. <laughs> I mean, oh my, has moved to Sochi. Um, is that right? Yeah. Sochi. Um, yes, yes, in the Fished Olympic Stadium. Talking of expensive, expensive stadiums, that's one of the, yet another very, very expensive ground. Um, there's always one thing. I don't know if this is, this is true for you too, Manu. One thing that irritates me about that stadium is a stunning, stunning design and yeah. set in the, Olympic Park in Adlo is just is one of the most awe-inspiring grounds to visit. But it really annoys me how the arch at the top of each stand is not aligned with the centre line, with the halfway line. It's just uh, it's shifted over about I don't know, say about five ten meters right of centre, and it really really annoys me when you're sitting there because I want it to look symmetrical, and it's not. It really really winds me up that. Um, and it also winds me up that I can't be there in a, you know, sunny tropical place. But, um, that's, that's another issue entirely. Um, <clears throat> but Yenisei Rostov, um, I mean, that's a great result for Yenisei. Um, uh, Babakar Star scoring on his debut, um, with what about five, six minutes to go, I think it was. Um, Rostov are, they're a funny one, really, aren't they? They've barely, um, they, they've they've not won in something like six or seven games, I think it is now. Um, they're still seventh in the table, but they're struggling to put sides away. Um, I mean, they're safe from relegation, surely, but um, it's interesting to see whether they'll pick up or not. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think um, the Rostov are an interesting one. Well, yeah, they must be safe from relegation. It's seven points. Um, unlike Yenisei, who are definitely... <laughs> <laughs> anything but safe from relegation. But yeah, I think, I think, you know, you have to also keep in mind that they did lose some players, right? Over the, the winter window, Rostov's finances are always a little bit, mm, yeah, problematic, even with the new stadium, even with the fantastic fan base. They are a club that are still trying to thaw, perpetually trying to sort things out with their finances. Um, because, you know, there is, there is, um, there is a guy who also owns Park. We have mentioned him in great length in the past. And, um, he every once in a while helps him out. So, ah, yeah. Rostov are a funny one. I think I, I really love Rostov as a club because of their genuine fan base. And as a, as a club, they're always really good for providing really entertaining stories for, if you follow this league, I think Rostov are a club that are just fun to follow. Remember the carpet, for example, on the, first half of the season right um yeah so so interesting one i i think i want to get back to this the sochi thing real quick though i mean um just to put this into put this into perspective so yenisei's game was moved that's the equivalent of moving manchester united's home game to the canadian west coast east coast that's that's just <laughs> that's just mind it, it's 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 absolutely mad um i mean I mean, the practicalities of the weather and being able to or not able to play in perishing temperatures, they, you can't avoid that. So I understand having to move it, but it just seems, it all seems so last minute. I mean, yeah. this is right now in Krasnoyarsk, as we mentioned last, last week, I think, is the, uh, Universiad, um, winter Olympic competition and, it's a very busy time uh, in in the city, and um, it's a big place, um, so it can it can cope with the number of visitors. Um, but well, you know, well, it should. Well, that, that's that's what I was basically about to come to. Yeah, exactly. It should. Um, it shouldn't be that difficult to either know that a temperature is going to be too cold and plan well in advance, which 
They do because it's Krasiask and it's March. We're talking, I mean, I'm in Siberia. This is the depths of Siberia. This is way further than Tumen. This is a, in a place that's far, far cold. And just having to move it that far is, I don't know. I've, I've, I've mentioned this before, or at least hinted at it before, uh, Manu, but I think it may even be time to genuinely consider the old Soviet practice of playing a full round or even two rounds of games in the spring in the South, gather all the teams together um, in, you know, two or three of the cities down there. You could have Rostov, Krasnodar, you could have Sochi, and that would satisfy using the Olympic Stadium as well. Make it a, a mini festival of football even um, and guarantee, therefore, that the games would be on. Plan it in advance. Um, fans would, okay, it still wouldn't, it would be robbing a home game or two of some clubs, but unfortunately, because of practicalities like that, um, you know, it works. This sort of idea, it works well in smaller countries where it's, transport is admittedly much easier. Um, in rugby league in England, for example, they have one weekend where all games in the top flight, um, there's 12 teams, I think it is in the Super League in rugby, and all 12 teams play at the same stadium over one weekend. Um, and it it, the stadiums are packed out. You get tickets for the entire weekend and you've got game after game. Um, I'm wondering whether something like that might be the answer. Mm, yeah, like um, a mini tournament. Um, you could even do it that it counts as an away game for every team, right? So you don't rob them from of a home game. Uh, I'm pretty sure there's there's ways to do and get around. Um, but yeah, the, the current practice of moving a team halfway around the world quite literally um, to play a home game seems odd um also what are they gonna do when sochi actually does have a team in the premier league because that's possible to happen soon well yeah certainly um certainly is very very possible i'd say at the moment yeah. um i mean just very very briefly touching on on that that second tier um it's almost as competitive as the premier league and uh sochi um are only two points off the playoffs at the moment. Uh, you've got Nizhny Novgorod, um, two places above them in fifth. Um, for They're one place off the promotion playoffs. Um, and then you've got Chetanova. Um, you've got a lot of clubs up there who are very, very talented. But yeah. it's those two, Sochi and Nizhny Novgorod, like we, again, like we mentioned last week, um, I think they are going to have a better chance at sustainability in the top flight. And there's part of me that wants to see clubs like Chitanova for the, you know, the, um, the emotional reason almost, the romantic idea of a club that plays only their youth players. But the other part of me wants a Russian club to survive in the top tier. You don't want to see Chitanova be, be destroyed and Sochi will be a club. Um, by hook or crook, they will be successful one way or the other. Yeah. Um, and if Saul Pope doesn't like it, the money will, will be there. Yeah, that's it. That exactly. Way. Right. Um, I 100% agree. And uh, yeah, poor Saul Pope, his head will explode. We'll, we'll get him up for the, uh, we'll get him on a podcast for the, for the promotion celebrations. Um, as cruel as we are, that's what we're going to do. Um, <laughs> celebrations. Um, are we not going to celebrate Krasnodar's title at the end of the season after them dropping two <laughs> points against Spartak? I, yeah. I don't know. I think. Well, this is, this is my, uh, my 50 rubles on this whole thing is that you can, getting a point in, in Moscow against Spartak, not the end of the world. I mean, this is still, Spartak is still a good side, a team that now once again banging on the Champions League door, right? Um, that third place is only one point off. So is this a point gained or two points lost, Andrew? Well, it's, I would say it's somewhere in between. I don't mean to sit on the fence intentionally, but I don't think it is the worst point to gain because Spartak have had their issues, but they ha they are actually, I think, a side to look out for this part of the season. I've got a lot more faith in their progress than Lokomotiv, for example. Mm. Um, and you've got, when you've got Zeluish, who is in very good form, one of the most informed strikers in the league, Arguably, Luis Adriano's got immense experience. 
um, those two alone as a strike partnership. And we are talking a strike partnership, which is quite rare, I guess, in modern football. Um, they're very, very dangerous. So Krasnodar were, um, they they gave a good account of themselves, but they, it's, it's, it is a point. It is a point. Um, and they, I believe they still have to play Zenit um, before the end of the season. So technically speaking, it is still in their hands. Um, and the, the only, I don't mean this to try and keep myself as the, the best predictor in, in football Brad network. Um, but I still, I get the feeling having seen Zenit last week, they looked genuinely impressive, even without playing to their full capacity. I think it will take a very, it will take an almost perfect season from Krasnodar now to overhaul them, even though it's only three points. So in that sense, you could argue it's three points lost, uh, two points lost. Mm. Um, but just on the basis of the game itself, I think it was, they didn't play particularly badly. Um, Shapi Sulemanov didn't score for the very simple reason that he started. Um, so maybe Masai yeah. will learn from that. Has Keep to come him off the, the bench. bench to be. Hans. He's got to come off the bench to, to just, do well, hasn't he? Just like Paco for Dortmund. That's why Dortmund lost yesterday to this uh, Spursy side. Um, yeah. <laughs> did uh, Paco started? Did he last yeah, night? Yeah, he did. He did. That's, uh, that's when go. it all went sideways. Went all sideways. Exactly. Yeah, and the same for Sharpie. He has to come off the bench. I 100% agree with you. I think every 36 minutes he scores. Um, not bad oh, for that, a 35-year-old. <laughs> the, the the shame about him starting was that that average um, you know goals per minute has now been inflated quite badly by actually playing most of a game. So, um, yeah, um, it's it, it may be one of the. It's not going to be one of those results where if they don't win the title, where you would say, well, that's where they lost it. Yeah. They will have. They would have lost it earlier in the season um, with uh, other poor results. So, uh, to answer your question, Manny, no, I don't think it is two points lost, but it's a frustration, certainly. Yeah, definitely. Um, they have they have a chance, just like Zenit, to make up for their frustrations. Uh, any final thoughts on uh, Zenit against Villarreal, Valencia against Krasnodar? Those are the Europa League ties tomorrow. So, I don't want to spend too much time on them because we talked about them last week, but. Um, for, for Zenit, basically a good chance to continue their form, right? Um, they've been excellent. Yeah. Um, the last two games, the first game in Europe was a little bit of a hiccup. Um, but the, 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 the return leg, they were excellent. Um, so good way for them to return, to, to continue their form. And for Krasnodar, um, they finally need to win a game <laughs> in the, in this, in these playoffs, right? Because they actually managed to knock out Leverkusen without winning. So, um, yeah, I guess two, two good opportunities really to, to, to work on form and get another 90 minutes in. Yeah, absolutely. And I think of the, of, of Thursday's games this week, Zilli clearly have the, um, the easier game of the two being at home and, uh, and against Villarreal. I think Valencia are a stronger opponent. Um, but the other thing about Zanit's squad is that they have a very, very big, very experienced squad. And I think it's a chance to rotate a little. Um, we've seen Magomed Ozdoyev play, um, so far this season. He was, he was man of a match in Yekaterinburg. And it was, it was almost like a new signing because he barely played first part of the season. So whether the intention is to play him against Villarreal and, or whether to rest him and play Matas Kranvita, they've got these options, um, on their bench. And I, I really do expect them to continue their remarkable, um, unbeaten run at home in Europa League. So I'm expecting them to get a result against Villarreal. If Krasnodar can avoid defeat against Valencia, I'd say that's a, a fantastic evening for Russian football. Yeah, I would go along with that. Um, of course, those previews will be up by the, probably by the time this podcast comes out. So, um, keep an eye out on uh, footballgrad.com for more details on those games. And of course, we have the Chelsea Dynamo Kiev preview, um, is actually already up on the site. So, um, that you can find as well. Well, Andrew, that's it. We're done. Um, the hour is up. And again, it flew by very, very quickly. Um, let me, where can, where can people find you online? Um, what have you been up to? Well, uh, if anybody wants to see what, uh, real Russian football looks like again, follow me on social media tomorrow night, uh, from two o'clock UK time. Um, I'll be in Yekaterinburg for Ural against Spartak Moscow. 
for the second leg of the Russian Cup quarterfinal at Andrew Midge Flint on Twitter and Instagram. Um, so, yeah, if you want to see something different and you want to procrastinate at work, then log in and follow. Yeah, please do so. It's always very entertaining. Uh, very, very entertaining, I have to say. Um, give this man a follow. Check out his account. It, it's it's worth your time. Um, yeah, I've been your host, Manuel Wef. You can find me at Manuel Wef. Um, I, I do all sorts of stuff. Russian football, Bundesliga, Champions League, Europa League. I write for Forbes. Um, I cover actually Major League Soccer for Pro Soccer USA as well. So if you're into that, um, you, you can find all sorts of content on my personal Twitter feed at Manuel Wef. And in, of course, at Football Grad Life is where you find this podcast, Champions League previews, Europa League previews, articles and on politics and Russian football. Uh, post-Soviet football, and then, of course, all our Bundesliga coverage. Well, that's it. Until next week, episode 100. Next week, proud moment on the Football Grad Network. Chat to you guys then. Das wird dann. is brought to you by Nature Made, the number one pharmacist-recommended vitamin and supplement brand. Nourish by Nature Made is a personalized vitamin regimen that removes the guesswork of selecting supplements that are specific to you. Backed by 45 years of science, delivered right to your doorstep, and costing on average less than $2 a day. Nourish is your one-stop shop for customizable supplements. Visit Nourish.com to get started today. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.